Okay, well, um, we are in the Gospel of John, as I mentioned, and uh, we've been studying the Gospel of John now for, what, about mm, five, six, five months, maybe? A little over four months, five months. So uh, you should be, uh, have, have this verse memorized, but we're going to do it again. Uh, we know why John was written, right? And let's read it again, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. We've talked about this verse many times. This is a great verse. A great uh, statement on Jesus, Jesus Christ, why he came. The Son of God, uh, the Son of the Father. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that Father. Last week we talked about Jesus' statement when he said in John 8, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And we talked about how that, that's a phrase that gets used a lot, right? These days you hear politicians use that phrase. Perhaps they're talking about you know, some kind of political oppression or, or just in general in a speech. Uh, probably not meaning the full brunt of that statement, right? But Jesus said, if you abide in his word and you are truly his disciple, not just in word only, but in, 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 in doing, in service, in faith, that you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And what's that freedom from? Well, he says, freedom from slavery of sin. In other words, freedom of the trap that we get into when we sin. We all sin, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and it enslaves us, doesn't it? It causes us to feel guilt. It causes us not to be able to do things that we should be doing. Have you ever been struggling with a sin, perhaps, and it made it hard for you to pray about, to pray, have a prayer life? I mean, if you're constantly feeling guilt, and you pray, you want to pray for forgiveness, praying to God, but yet you can't get past a struggle. You ever done that where it causes your prayer life to suffer? Perhaps it causes your study, your, your, your life, your, what your desire to be near him to, to suffer because you can't get near him, right? You can't get near him because you're full of sin. Yeah, there's probably times when each of us, each of us have, have gone through something like that, right? Sometime in our lives. Well, we often hear people speak of the fatherhood of God, right? Just mentioned it in, the, in my prayer, talking to the Father. Jesus taught us to pray to the Father, and he talks about the Father constantly, saying he is the Son. He only does things that his Father has told him to do. He follows his Father's doctrine. But we hear this in public lives a lot, right? We hear this, how we're all children of God. In fact, I even think, I think I heard Biden say this the other day. President Biden say, we're all children of God, referring to all faiths. You know, he's, he's saying, we, we all have to get to get along or whatever. We hear that a lot, don't we? But are all people children of God? Do we all have that opportunity to call him Father? Well, in a sense, there is scripture about that. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. And let's read a few verses about that. Acts 17. And let's begin in uh, 
Let's see. Let's start with verse. Paul. This is Paul when he's he's addressing the unknown God in, in, in Athens, and he's he's describing things about what the philosophers or the religious people there uh, talk about. And let's begin in verse. Uh, let's say verse twenty-three. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-apportioned times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from, from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. So what Paul's saying, in a sense, we are all from God. God created us. Whether you believe it or not, we are all the offspring of God in that sense. But can we all really say that God is our Father. Jesus identifies some who did not have the Father. They might say they did, but he said, your Father is actually the devil. Let's read about that. Turn back over to John chapter 8, and let's look at our text for today. John chapter 8, and let's begin after the statement about the truth shall make you free in verse 37. And this is a, a bit of a long passage. I'm going to read the whole thing, so... Uh, if you just read along with me, it would be great. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told, told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Man, he's telling them, isn't he? Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you, understand my, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you commits me of sin? And I, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear, because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said, No, I mean, said to him, <clears throat> do, we, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You, you can imagine what's going through their minds at this time, right? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, 
Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I, I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Wait for it. Jesus said to him, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Wow. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Powerful words. Powerful words coming from the Lord, right? He says, you are of your father, the devil. I am my father, God. And then he tells them before Abraham, he was. I am, the great I am. The words that say, I have no beginning and end. I've always been. Now, you can imagine what the Jews are thinking when they hear that, right? You're just a man. How, how do you dare? How you dare claim to be God? Because that's what he's saying right there. Can't imagine. And I imagine they wanted to stone him. Not just because they felt like they had the law on their side, right? You know, stoning someone who's blaspheming God's name. But because they hated him. Because why? He's telling them they're from the devil. Anybody ever told you that? Ever been in a fight with someone? Maybe somebody close to you said, you're from the devil. Surely not, right? I don't know. There, there's some that might have heard that. Yeah. Jim says, I'm going to beat the devil. Have you ever said that to your kid? Well, what's that mean? Are you telling your kid that they're from the devil? Man, those are fighting words, aren't they? That's a tough statement to hear. Yet Jesus is telling them. Who is your father? God or the devil? Jesus said, if God is your father, you will love him. You will love Jesus. You will love him. Love of the son is proof that we have God as our father. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if you love me, you love the father. If you love the Father, you'll love me because the Father sent me. I have the word from the Father. I teach what he has taught me, what I know from him, his doctrine. Very powerful statements. And you can understand how the Jews would not understand that. If they don't believe he is who he's making these statements, who he is, he's just a man, right? Who, who is he to be saying this stuff? But Jesus is telling them, I am from the Father. If you believe me, if you love me, you will love the Father. We actually prove that God is our Father when we love the Son. Now maybe that's kind of a, again, I don't know, maybe that's a weird way to say it, but it's true. Jesus says it's true. How do we show our love for Jesus? How do we do that? Well, 
we talk about loving each other, right? We talk about love for one another. But how do we prove that love? How do we show that we love Jesus? Well, let's turn over to John chapter 14 and uh, read a, a verse from there. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe in also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there, may, there you may be also, and where, I go, you, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. You see, trusting in Jesus because he asked us to trust him. That's one way we show our love. If you don't trust him, how can you say you love him? Well, in any relationship, especially a close relationship, husband and wife, right, and close friends, do you have to have trust? Yeah. If you don't have trust between your, your spouse or, or a close friend, do you have a relationship? No. How can you have a relationship with someone if you don't trust them? You're always wondering. A true, intimate relationship with someone has to have trust at the base, does it not? You have to be able to fully engage with them to the point where you can tell them anything, you can confide in them, you can be with them and not have to worry that they're going to betray you, right? You have to have that trust, do you not? Especially in a marriage relationship. Um, if you don't have trust in a marriage relationship, what happens? Usually that breeds contempt, does it not? You promised me that I would be the only one. You did that when we were married. You should be doing it now. And now you're not doing that. I can't trust you. We have no intimate relationship anymore. I dare say that probably most divorces occur because of trust is broken. When we make a vow in marriage, you should expect to keep it, right? Just like the Lord said, let your yea be yea and your no be no. So without trust, we really don't have a relationship. Do we truly trust, trust Jesus as our Savior. Verse 5 of chapter 14, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, a couple weeks ago I said, this is a very good verse to remember. But what Jesus is saying is, you can put your trust in me. Because I'm the way. I am from the Father. You should be putting your trust in me. Trust in him to save our souls. Do we do that? Have we done that? Can you put your soul in his hands completely? Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first his kingdom, and these things shall be provided for you. Can you put your trust in him that he will take care of you? We can say, yeah, 
I put my soul in his trust. I put my soul in his hands. But then when it comes to providing for me in this world, that's a little bit harder to do, isn't it? It shouldn't be. He knows every hair on your head. He's promised to take care of you. Right? What did Jesus say? Takes care of the sparrows. Right? The little sparrow. If he does that, surely he's going to take care of you. Some of you have been around a long time. Have you ever had moments in your past where you were wondering how are you going to get along financially, uh, perhaps physically from a sickness, perhaps in a relationship, your marriage, and things just seem to happen to take care of it. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever really needed some money and all of a sudden it just showed up unexpectedly? I don't know. Can't say necessarily that came from God, but it is interesting how things seem to work together for good that those that love the Lord, isn't it? We can put our trust in Him. And that's how we show we have love for the Father. That's how we show He is our Father. How else? Stay there in chapter 14. Move over to verse 15. If you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How else do we show we love Jesus? Keeping his commandments, right? Says it right there. You know, today, especially when you look out in the world of, I don't know, Christendom, you know, other uh, faiths, you might say, other denominations, whatever, stuff you might see on TV, a lot of times it's not so much about keeping the commands, right? Because you see things going on and you say, I don't see that in Scripture. Right? It's not necessarily popular to obey the commands anymore, is it? In fact, you might be labeled a legalist. You ever been called a legalist? I guess that's supposed to have a negative connotation, but if it means keeping the commands because I love Jesus, I plead guilty. I want to be a legalist in that sense. Oh, I know what it means. It's not about just keeping the law. It's not about just the rules. You're to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first command. But... Everything else comes from that. If you love him, if you trust him, you're going to keep his commands. That's how we show we love Jesus. He even commanded us, right? On the Great Commission. What did he say? Matthew 8, uh, 28, 19 and 20. To go out into all the world, baptizing them, making them disciples, obeying everything that I have commanded you. Luke 6.46 says, some of you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting how that concept seems to be pushed out of, uh, pushed out of the way. It's not so much 
following the commands. It's how we think it ought to be, how we want to feel. We want to feel good. We want to, we want to do our thing. Oh, the old ways don't bring anybody in. We've got to try something new. Ever heard that? Yeah. It's not modern. How else do we show we love Jesus? Well, if you love someone, don't you enjoy being with them? I'm married. I enjoy being with my wife. I'm with her 24-7 pretty much. If I didn't enjoy being with her, that wouldn't be much fun, would it? Yeah. You enjoy being with them, don't you? Right? Yet, as Christians, sometimes we don't seem to show that, do we? Turn over to John chapter 16. Beginning verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, for all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He demonstrates, if we, if we disregard the word, If we don't make the effort to read it, if we don't understand what he's saying there, take advantage of the spirit which has been given, take advantage of the opportunity to study, take advantage of a desire to pray, which, by the way, we get because we're children of God. How are we showing love for him? We should want to be with him. Have you ever gone through the New Testament and looked at how many times Jesus prayed? It's probably doesn't even record all the times, but it's, it's quite a few times. Just go through and count them up. He was constantly in prayer with the Father. He constantly wanted to be with him. We should be the same. Matthew uh, 18, uh, 18, 20. Two or three are gathered in my name. I am there in the midst. Are we gathering in his name today? He says he'll be there in the midst. He will be with us. We should want to be here. We should want to be part of an assembly together. Yet many disregard the assembly. Many don't want to do it. Maybe those who are, are new, a new Christian, new convert, they, they might, might not becoming caught of ignorance or whatever, you know, they may not know. But for others, Satan is hard in their heart. Turn over to Hebrews 3. Let's read a verse from there real quick. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any, any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So there's some who've been hardened by Satan, their father, the devil, who've stopped coming to church, stopped going to assemblies. I mean, we need to be together, we help each other. Well, I don't want to be in each other's company. You love Jesus, we'll take advantage of opportunities to be in his company. 
right? Do you have children that you like to be around? Yeah, I would think most of you do. And there's a lot of us that they grew up and then they moved across the country and left you like a dog. But you still like to be with them, right? So at Christmas time, you get on a Zoom call with them because they can't travel. And, and you don't look like a cat. Did you see that thing on the Zoom thing this week about those attorneys and the one guy had to filter like a cat and he couldn't turn it off? Pretty funny. He said, I am not a cat. <laughs> and the cat said, we know you're not a cat. Anyway, I digress. <clears throat> but yeah, we want to be with our kids. We want to be with our friends. If you love Jesus, you should want to be with him in his company. I mean, that should be a no-brainer. Well, what else? How else can we show our love for Christ? Well, turn over to Acts chapter 5, and let's read a few verses from that. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, let me read that again. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So what do they do? They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That's the apostles for you. They rejoiced that they were getting beaten for preaching Jesus. I mean, they went out of the council. Can you imagine? They leaving the council and saying, Hooray! We just got beaten for preaching Jesus. I know that's a little off kilter there, but it's kind of true. And did they stop? No, they did not. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Another example of this. Verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This is before Saul's conversion. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. In the early church, you might say, well, it was so new, it was so overwhelmingly new. It gave people so much hope. They couldn't help but preach and teach everywhere they went. And when they were persecuted, they went out teaching in other places, escaping the persecution that they were having put upon them. But yet, today, we should still have that great hope, that great urgency to preach and teach. Do we? Do we love the Lord enough to speak about Him? Those of you who are grandparents, do you tell people about your grandkids? 
probably. Do you show people pictures of your grandkids? Probably. I hope to do that one day. The early church just demonstrated their love for Jesus. Absolutely. But we should too. How can we be children of God and be ashamed to talk about our Father? Imagine treating your family that way. I would imagine most of us have a pretty good relationship with our physical fathers, our biological fathers and mothers. I mean, when asked, we're going to talk about them, right? And we're probably going to talk about the good stuff. And hopefully there's a lot of good stuff. I know some people have, there, there are different types of relationships between us and our fathers and our mothers. But for the most part, we're going to talk about them, right? And we shouldn't feel ashamed about that. In the same sense, we should be willing to talk about our Father and what Jesus did for us. How else can we show our love for him? Well, I just talked about it. The apostles were beaten. Now, I don't mean you got to go out and be beaten for preaching Jesus. But you might need to sacrifice something because of it. Right? And you need to be willing to do that, are you? Are you willing to suffer on his behalf? Have you ever thought about that? What if something happened, and I can't imagine it happening, you know, in our government or whatever, but all of a sudden Christians started getting rounded up? And somebody was putting a gun to your head or threatening violence against you because your beliefs and said, renounce Jesus or die, what would you do? You ever thought about that for yourself? It's easy to say, I, I, yeah, I would stand up. But then you've never been in that situation, right? And that's extreme, I know. But are you willing to suffer? As parents, we sacrifice some things, right, for our kids. Might have sacrificed a career. Might have sacrificed a dream that you had because of your kids or a spouse or a sick family member. It happens, right? You're willing to sacrifice for loved ones. Why not Jesus? That's another way to show our love for him, right? You're willing to jeopardize your life for a family member. Why not Jesus? You see, he suffered for us, did he not? Turn back over to Hebrews chapter 5 there. Let's read a verse. Hebrews 5, verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. You see, Jesus, he didn't have to do it. He, could, he was God. He could have said, I'm not going to do it. But he did. He came. He learned obedience, by the way. He learned what it was like 
to be in the flesh, and he suffered because of it. Great persecution, and we know he died on our behalf. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul calls Timothy to join in his suffering. Suffering with him in Christ. Paul suffered greatly. Timothy suffered. First Peter, Peter likewise joins all to suffer willing, willingly if needed. All the apostles suffered. And you could say the first century church, pretty much anybody, anybody that was becoming a disciple was suffering at some point or another. There was great persecution going on. We don't have that kind of persecution today, do we? Not so much physical persecution, but we might have psychological persecution. We might have a uh, fear of speaking about him. A fear of what? Rejection by a friend. Fear of um, being looked at like we're some kind of crackpot because we believe in Jesus Christ. A fear of uh, somebody not liking us. You know, that, that kind of can hinder you, can it? I'm sure we've all felt that. That's part of loving him, though, being willing to suffer by preaching about him, by talking about him. How else do we show love for Jesus? Well, along be like him, right? Children demonstrate their love for their parents in several ways, but one way is what? Imitating them, right? Following them. Um, parents, we as parents, become very proud of our kids when they do things that we do, right? We want them to do. We've taught them to do. And if they stray from that, it's not so good, is it? In the same sense, we show Jesus our love by imitating him. The word disciple, you could say that's the very meaning of it, to imitate someone else, follow them, see how they live, hear what they teach, and try to be just like them. That's how we can show Jesus our love. That's how we do it. We are disciples. We should be following him. We should be hearing what he teaches, and we should be trying to imitate him in every way. Do we do that? That's another way we can show our love for him. That's very scriptural, too. Colossians 3, we read about that. Galatians 2. Be imitators of Christ, willing to suffer for him. How else can we show our love for him? Well, <clears throat> desiring to please him, right? People in love. When you're in love with someone, what do you do? You'll go out of your way, right? To please them, right? There's an old uh, Tom T. Hall song. You ever heard it? That's how I got to Memphis. That's my son's favorite song because that's how you got to Memphis. When you love someone enough, you go wherever they go. That's how I got to Memphis. You ever heard that song? We'll do that, right? I know, I digressed again. We do things for those we love. 
Today's the Lord's Day, right? Most and foremost. But it, I, gotta, I guess I got to say it, it's also Valentine's Day, right? For those of you who have a loved one, did you do something special? Are you going to do something special? Maybe tonight for dinner or something? I, I hope you're going to be here first, and then maybe afterwards have a nice little dinner and go out. I was a good boy. I brought home chocolate yesterday. Chocolate for my spouse. Well, I ate a couple pieces too, but she had some. Bought a little cookie, a little ice cream, butter pecan. Mm. She even let me have a little bit of it. We do things for those we love, don't we? Go out of our way. Try to please them. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. Chapter uh, 11. Verse 1. Oh, that you would hear, bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with, glad, with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We are a pure virgin betrothed to Christ. This, we should be desiring to please him. Turn over to chapter 5 there in 2 Corinthians. Verse 12, 2 Corinthians 5, 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For, we, for the love of Christ compels us. Hear what he said there? For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Are you compelled to please Christ? He died for you. That should be the greatest motivation of all, right? He suffered for you. Do you truly love him? If you do... You'll do these things. If one does not love the Lord Jesus, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, they're cursed. So really, you got two choices. Love him or not. If you love him, and you truly love him, not just by word, your father is God. You're of your father. Jesus said it. If you obey my commands, willing to do things that I do, suffer for him, willing to speak about him, put all of your trust in him, then you are of your father. If not, you're of Satan. You're one or the other. Can't be in between. Is your father God or is your father the devil? Well, if your father is the devil, maybe you need to be changing that. Today's as good as day as any. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. Be baptized into his name. Become a child of the father. And you can truly say, I have the father. I am his child. Yeah, in a sense, we are all children of God. He created us all. 
Physically speaking, we're the offspring of God. But just because you're born of God physically doesn't mean he's your father. A lot of fathers will abandon their kids, right? But God hasn't abandoned us. He's there waiting for us to draw an eye to him. Scripture says if we draw an eye to him, he'll draw an eye to us. It's there waiting for you. Does God your father, do you love Jesus enough to obey him and become a child of God? If not, please do it. Please do it today. All right. Time is up. Thanks for being here.